Hello and welcome to the Dish Podcast. I'm Lawrence Russell, Deputy Editor at Connectivity Business News. My guest today is Tom Coughlin, Chairman of IEEE. Tom, could you introduce yourself? Sure. I'm the uh, president this year for the uh, uh, IEEE. Um, and by day, uh, I am a, involved in memory and storage. I've been working in this industry for over uh, 40 years and I've uh, uh, been consulting, uh, have my own company uh, for about 25 years. So it's a pleasure to be able to join you today and represent IEEE and, uh, and also uh, my perceptions on things. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. So what's the strategic direction of IEEE in 2024? And perhaps if you could introduce it to some of our uh, listeners who may not be aware of the group. You bet. Well, IEEE is uh, the uh, world's largest technical professional organization. With uh, uh, Last uh, December, it had over 460,000 members in over 190 countries. Uh, it puts on over 2,000 conferences per year. Uh, does uh, has about uh, five million uh, documents uh, that in uh, two hundred journals and uh, publications that it makes. Um, it's involved in a lot of the world standards, particularly what might be interested uh, to uh, uh, with regard to this discussion is uh, uh, the internet basically runs on IEEE standards. The eight hundred two standards uh, and Wi Fi uh, are uh, all IEEE standards, and so we have an active standards organization as well. We're also involved in uh, continuing education activities, and uh, we have a lot of local activities that go on all over the world with many different IEEE sections uh, in chapters of various societies involved in everything from aerospace to oceanography, uh, from bios, uh, medical science to uh, nanotechnology, uh, computers, software and hardware, uh, robotics, just about any technical topic you can think of. Fantastic. So would you say that uh, you're aware of the sort of uh, skills gaps around the world and perhaps STEM and digital topics that do you do you find that you address those at all? Oh, yes. Yeah, we're involved in just about any kind of technology you can think of. And why not be the uh, absolute expert in all of these topics uh, through IEEE and uh, through connections I've made here? For instance, I know people who know a lot of stuff about these things. Fantastic. So do you have a strategic direction for the group in 2024? Is there any uh, goals or priorities that you're laser focused on? Yes, there are indeed. Uh, so uh, the first one, uh, the most important is to uh, we get a lot of members who come in as students, but they don't necessarily stay with the organization. And I think like many uh, larger organizations, traditional type of organizations, it's harder to get the younger folks to stay with us. But it's absolutely vital that we do so in order to maintain our vitality and to be able to serve our mission in the future of uh, advancing technology for the benefit of humanity. And uh, so that's the first priority. The second one, which I think is related to that, is greater engagement with industry. Um, many of those students I talked about who are IEEE members of students end up working in industry. And so uh, part, I think part of uh, uh, having greater relevance to a younger, um, uh, a younger group is to be engaged uh, in their communication channels uh, to be involved in the work that they're doing, which uh, relates to, to the practical applications of technology, and to uh, work with companies uh, to engage with our members and companies and to encourage them to uh, uh, to uh, support uh, people being members who are working in those companies. Um, also, uh, I want to spread the word out more about what the IEEE is and what it's about and um, the uh, benefit that we can provide in terms of insights and help on many different technology topics to deal with 
uh, emerging opportunities and solution to pressing uh, uh, pressing societal problems. Uh, and the last one is, in order to be able to continue our mission, we need to have uh, uh, income. And so I'm looking at uh, uh, making strategic investments uh, to create new products and services for the organization. And then the last one is, uh, with uh, the changes of technology going on today, uh, what is education going to look like? Uh, what sort of things are people going to know when they're working with artificial intelligence, working in outer space, things of that sort? Uh, and how should we change education to do it, to uh, uh, to meet the needs of people today? You know, I, I think it's going to be more of a, a not one and done, but continuous education. You're always going to be needing to learn new things because things change so fast. So I I, I believe we have a lot of academics, part of us, and I'd like to see us uh, be able to uh, uh, to use that resource working with other groups as well uh, to look at what the future of education should be like and start to make those changes, lowering the cost, making it available to more people. Fantastic. I do. We do see more and more uh, conferences around the SATCOMS industry, inviting university groups in, inviting programs for graduates mm-hmm. or young people looking to get into the industry because uh, those conferences have become aware of the barriers to uh, getting younger blood into these uh, into these industries. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have any idea what uh, the best solutions might be beyond that? Is that really the best option? Uh, I think we need to look at, uh, you know, the whole idea of uh, traditional universities and the way we do things. You know, um, for one thing, it's fairly expensive. Uh, uh, we've, you know, many of us now have had a lot of experience with remote uh, participation uh, in events and even education in many, in many cases. While it has its flaws, um, particularly the tools we have today are not perfect uh, and can use a lot more uh, uh, development in order to make them more immersive and, and to have remote participation and telepresence be more like you're actually there with somebody. But I think we can develop those tools and, and do that. So maybe we don't need as many buildings. You know, maybe we can lower some of the capital costs, capital and operating costs, of uh, uh, current educational models and move to something which, uh, again, it's uh, more continuous. Uh, uh, you know, there may, there's fundamentals you need to learn, but on the other hand, uh, a lot of the particular trends and technology applications are going to be changing enormously over time. Yeah, terrific. And so we need an education system that's built around that. Absolutely. Completely agree. So what are the barriers to the establishment of IoT technologies worldwide? What's stopping these things from getting uh, really, really pervasive? Well, they are becoming more pervasive. Um, There's more and more things that have, uh, you know, uh, have computing power and communications in them. But uh, the limitations uh, sometimes, uh, you know, particularly during COVID, we had problems with supply chains, you know, of actual getting parts, uh, semiconductor parts, for instance, uh, that could help to build things. Um, and in general, it's uh, some of the big things, depending on what kind of IoT device it is, but if it runs on a battery, then you've got power constraints. So what can you do with a given amount of power is an important issue. Um, another one uh, would be uh, what kind of connectivity you have, where you are. You know, Maybe in a, in a metro area, you've got pretty good connectivities available. You can do more with it. makes it more attractive and useful. But when you get into more rural areas, uh, there's less connectivity uh, likely. Uh, and, um, you know, it might be through satellites or things of that sort where you have the connectivity. But in any case, uh, bandwidth is a bit, is going to be a big uh, factor in that. Um, and uh, one thing that may help on that also would be the development of uh, uh, more uh, capable uh, electronics that w- w- even with low power can do 
more local calculations, applications of artificial intelligence, you know, for local devices. So uh, they can do an awful lot um, with data they get locally and then uh, maybe minimize the amount of communication needed to do the outside, depending upon, the, you know, what the model is and where it's at. It differs whether, for instance, you're in a, in a factory, you're, uh, you know, some consumer device of, of one sort or another, a wearable or, or something else, or, uh, uh, or you know, uh, IoT devices even span into automobiles nowadays and mm-hmm. other, uh, other transportation as well. So different needs depending upon uh, the particular application, but bandwidth, uh, power, and, uh, uh, and processing capability and connectivity are, are going to be very important factors in terms of, uh, uh, of the greater growth and use of IoT devices. But even so, I mean, there's an enormous number of them out there. There's going to be a lot more in the future. Fantastic. Well, you've answered a little bit of this problem going into uh, connected uh, cars, but uh, could you get a little bit specific with what new applications are possible with integrated satellite connectivity to consumer devices through this kind of IoT work? Sure. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a number, there's a few different uh, 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 low Earth orbit satellite systems are being built. Starlink is one, of course. Um, that uh, will allow uh, uh, connectivity even in remote areas, you know, as long as you're in one of the satellite range. But the more satellites, the more likely that it is. And so this will allow, I think, more universal connectivity at a cost. You know, if, uh, there's a cost in doing that. But uh, but if uh, but if that's if that's not an issue for the application, then I think there's a, it opens up a lot of possibilities. Um, uh, could be part of, for instance, building more. Um, driving assistance capabilities uh, uh you know you mentioned iot and, and things of that sort but just being able to sense things that are around around you in a vehicle and to share that information with other cars so that they may be become aware of things that they can't see yet for instance in a city um, you've got a building on a corner you can't necessarily see what's coming up to, you know on the sidewalk on that side but if there's a car in another direction it might be able to provide that kind of information so to give you more a uh, universal sense of place where you are and what's going on around you for your vehicle using then uh, various uh, artificial intelligence or, um, you know, things that it can bring to the attention of the driver, for instance, to help them to make better choices and avoid accidents and, and other problems. So I think that there's, uh, you know, that, that satellite, those low Earth orbit satellite systems um, will play an important role in doing that. Uh, um, and especially when you're outside of the metro- metropolitan areas. Fantastic. Do you have any uh, theories about where the significant amount of the market might be for this kind of technology? It's not always what we predict necessarily, but no, uh, it isn't. Yeah, of course. So many uh, things that can use this kind of connectivity. Is there anything that jumps out at you as the money maker that is going to draw a lot of the uh, demand? So I think if it's packaged right and does does something properly, transportation would be an important one. But another one uh, might be agriculture. Um, that there's a lot, a lot of work going on in uh, essentially creating uh, connected smart uh, devices and systems used in agricultural systems, even for sensing, you know, the moisture in the ground, for uh, uh, being used for uh, running autonomous uh, vehicles that can harvest or turn earth or do various things or plant seeds or or uh, or kill weeds, and uh, so. Uh, uh, the, uh, these satellite systems may end up being a very useful, com- uh, useful uh, activity within the agriculture community as well. So, um, allow in allowing, for instance, uh, 
uh, monitoring of what's going on and uh, uh, connections about uh, problems that may be coming up, things of that sort, detecting water leaks, you know, uh, which are very important in some areas which have uh, uh, low, you know, have limited amounts of water, things of that kind. Um, but I think transportation, agriculture, uh, uh, let's see, oh, oh, and transportation, including things like ships. So cargo, I think, is going to be an area that's going to be, uh, we're going to see a lot of technology being applied to for uh, a long-distance cargo transport, uh, perhaps with uh, semi-autonomous uh, uh, vehicles doing this kind of work. Uh, and so that could be another important area uh, within transportation itself. Um, likewise, I think there's, uh, you know, just being able to get more connectivity allows uh, people to be working in more remote areas allows uh, learning in places which may be away from larger metropolitan areas and also may help in terms of remote medicine, which is another evolving area that uh, 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 a lot of rural areas don't have, uh, have more limited uh, medical facilities and medical practitioners. But if they can do things through telepresence um, and remotely uh, to provide better medical care for folks, especially uh, in places where there, you know, there may be, uh, uh, you know, financial issues in, in, in access to care, uh, could have a great benefit, I believe, potentially. Fantastic. So, so to link this into a much more jazzy sort of uh, case study, um, mm -hmm. what significance do these technologies have for augmented reality devices for, uh, as you mentioned, cars, but of course, the, uh, the goggles that we've started seeing coming out of companies like mm -hmm. Apple, uh, the first of many, potentially might be a fad, might be the new reality, the new consumer technology uh, reality in this uh, decade. Uh, why do they need so much uh, constant stream of uh, connectivity and, and throughput? And uh, what can, what, how real is this for um, markets? So um, I think the model we have right now, uh, how much do we use these things? Oh, you can't see it. <laughs> it's a phone, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, and what kind of connect? And they're always connected, but I think eventually you're going to see these things, yeah. which are going to be, um, which you know, right now we're limited on the amount of power you can put in something that's light enough to fit on your head. I was at the CES show um, in January, and there were people with augmented reality um, glasses, things of that sort. Um, they're still kind of heavy, you know. But if we can get if we can get the uh, uh, the weight down and uh, uh, the capabilities built in the weight down uh, and the um, intelligence in the device uh, the, and with enough battery power to be able to operate this thing for a useful period of time. I think, um, you know, the, uh, what we're having more and more as we're bringing the computer closer to us, closer to, to us, and that will enable us to be able to use the power of, of computing technologies to do more things that are, that, uh, uh, can enable us. The thing about uh, if I can do an augmented reality, say on a pair of glasses, I have my hands free. If I can talk to it and it and it know and it can interpret that and do things based upon uh, my communication with it, you know, or maybe sometime in the future, just think at it and it will know it will be able to pick up pick up that that and, and turn that into information or request. Um, then I can get I can get more done with these things. So I think ultimately things like augmented reality that combine um, our our real physical world with data streams, um, alternative interpretations of things um, that are uh, enabled by algorithms and artificial intelligence, 
and that use connect connectivity uh, can enhance our abilities. And I think is, is you know, I think, um, and I'm thinking about, you know, where, where things are going in terms of the man, human machine interface. And I think of it more as an augmented reality versus being artificial. Um, that computers are good at some things, humans are good at other things. Humans and computers together can be most excellent, you know, can do amazing, could, could, make, could potentially do amazing things, could just change the world. Perfect. So you'll be attending a Mobile World Congress this year. Could you uh, talk about what you're going to expect from the event? I am look for. I am looking forward to seeing all of the uh, uh, modern communication technologies on display. This is one of the biggest events in this space uh, in the world, and uh, uh, looking to see the, the people who are providing connectivity from all over the world, various types of technologies, um, and also how that connectivity is being used. Um, you know, what's the infrastructure behind it? Uh, what are the applications, and uh, where are things going in the future? Um, I think uh, events, trade shows and things of this sort are things that I think an organization like the IEEE needs to be involved in. Um, you know, and part of that is, you know, one of my priorities was relevance to industry. We need to stay connected with what, with what technology enables us to do on a practical level um, and how that can uh, help to, you know, again, to, to fulfill IEEE's mission of um, advancing technology for the benefit of humanity. Wonderful. Do you have any predictions for what you might see at the show and uh, perhaps some less likely uh, want to see uh, uh, aspirations? What do you what would you love to hear about at the show? Oh, so um, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing uh, again, you know, all the, the different players, uh, meeting them and talking to them about uh, what's going on, uh, what's going what's happening with uh, low Earth satellite uh, connectivity um, and all, and uh, what's you know, uh, what's going on with regard to artificial intelligence applied for uh, both improving communication as well as what the communication is for. I think both of those would be very interesting to see and where that's going in the future. There's a, a lot of activity going on now. There's enormous investments, uh, enormous, enormous investments being made um, in building up various artificial intelligence-based um, products and services uh, you know, going on right now and what impact that's having on the communication industry, both in terms of new capabilities because of that, but also new drivers in demand because of, because of that, that exists. Uh, so those are some of the things I look forward to things. Uh, I, at shows like this, um, and I also go to the consumer electronics show. It's interesting to go through and, and, and see the folks both large and small that are at these events um, you see some things that are sublime and some things that are silly. Um, and it's really interesting. And, and see, sometimes, and even uh, with the innovative folks, you know, newcomers, startups, and that sort of thing, you can see things that um, are, you know, they're amazing ideas um, and also things that uh, probably won't go anywhere. But you also maybe get, a, maybe get a sense of those things that we didn't expect this would happen there in front of us you know, running into uh, things like that. So uh, those are kind of things I look forward to to seeing there. And I, and I think we'll see both uh, things that make a lot of sense and things that don't, uh, experiments that will fail and those will be gloriously successful and maybe help, uh, help to change the world and hopefully make it a better place. Wonderful. What a great way to end. Uh, Tom Coughlin, uh, president of IEEE, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be able to talk to you, Lawrence.